Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Duke Backus. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. Over the past three weeks, we've been doing this series that we've called The Parables. We've been looking at this study uh, that we've gone over for, for three weeks, and we talked about Matthew chapter 13 and we went over the verses that, that many of you are familiar with, but we went over the story about the parable of the four soils. How many of you remember the, that story, right? We've, we covered it for three weeks in a row. And so the parable of the four soils is, is a, it's a powerful uh, illustration of just, you know, uh, of, of Jesus teaching us about the kingdom and Jesus teaching us, uh, you know, I believe just a lot of things and we learn three main things in, those, in that passage of Scripture. Number one, we learn that who is the sower? We learn that Jesus is the sower, right? And we learn that the seed is what? The seed is the word of God, right? Or is the kingdom of God. And then the third thing that we learn is that the soil is us, right? It's, the soil is souls. It's people. How many of you know that we need, to, we need to sow the kingdom, we need to sow the word of God into the lives of people? Amen? How many of you know somebody that needs Jesus? Raise your hand if you know somebody that needs Jesus. Amen. Listen, we need to sow into their heart and into their life, because if we don't sow into their heart and into their life, we are allowing them to miss out, I believe, on divine appointment with God. If I can give you, you know, uh, uh, just kind of some background, I covered a verse on Sunday. If you were here on Sunday, you remember a verse that I shared in the beginning in Genesis chapter one, and it talks about how the Lord's plan for you and I was that we would, we would, you know, be in the earth, right? We would be, you know, those that would be fruitful and multiply. We would subdue the earth, and and this actually meant that there would be a spreading, that there would be a a a just, you know, kind of you know, ongoing of the kingdom of God throughout the entire world. That plan has not stopped. Did you know that? That plan hasn't receded. That, you know, God didn't just scrap that plan and say, you know what, sin entered the world, and now we're going to go to plan B. No, this still is the plan. Amen? It still is the plan that we would be witnesses, that we would be carriers of the gospel, that we would be those people that tell others about Jesus. Amen? And so we learned that, you know, it's important for us to, to take the word, to take the seed of the word, to take the kingdom, to take the Holy Spirit and offer that to people in this world. And I want to get into this a little bit deeper tonight in this next parable that we're going to cover. But it's important for us to understand that the Great Commission, how many of you know what the Great Commission is? Or how many of you know where the Great Commission is found in the Bible? I'll give you a hint. It starts with an M and ends with a W. Anybody know where I'm talking about? It's in the book of Matthew. How many of you know what chapter it is? Somebody better know this. Matthew chapter what? 28? I think I heard a 28. That's correct. Verses 18 through 20, right? And we see that the Great Commission is what? What is the Great Commission? Who knows it off the top of their, off the top of their, their, their head? Anybody know it? Sorry, I'm putting you on the spot. I'll leave my, there you go. You raise your hand. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And lo, I will be with you always to the very ends of the earth. Amen. The scripture is very clear. Thank you, Elisma. Would you thank the Lord for her? She reads her Bible. 
it hasn't changed. We are to make disciples of all nations. Amen. We are to share the kingdom. We are to share the word of God with people wherever we go. So I want to get into tonight's lesson. And we're still in Matthew chapter 13. But a few verses later, we're starting in verse 24. So if you have your Bibles, open them up there. Matthew 13, verse 24. Jesus is speaking. He says, Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds amongst the wheat and went away. And when the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. And the owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. And the servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, he says, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. Verse 30 says, so let both grow together until the harvest. And at that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them into bundles to be burned. And then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Amen. Let's pray for tonight's word. Lord, we just thank you tonight, Jesus. And I'm grateful uh, Lord, for this opportunity to minister from your word, and, and I pray, Jesus, that you would just use me tonight. Holy Spirit, we give you just free reign tonight, that you would speak to each and every one of us, Lord. Open our hearts, our ears, God, our spirits, to just receive from you tonight, Jesus. And, and Holy Spirit, I just give you total control to have your way in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. So in the agricultural society of Christ's time, there were many farmers and there were people that depended upon their crops. Now, how many of you know that, you know, you know it's, it's not like nowadays, you know, people have all kinds of jobs. Back then, you know, you basically had two jobs. You were a hunter or you were a gatherer. <laughs> you know, there wasn't too much else going on. You know, there was people that were learning how to do other traits. But, you know, everybody back then farmed. H-E-B didn't exist. Amen? You know, they didn't have a Walmart to go to and dial up their, their grocery order and go and have it delivered to their house. But they had to know how to till the ground. They had to know, to, know how to take care of the soil and, and, you know, plant crops and do all of these things. And so back in their time, you know, they were very dependent upon their crops and their harvest. And so an enemy sowing weeds into their, their harvest field or into their crops would have absolutely sabotaged their business. Think about this with me just for a second. Like, that's like if, you know, you ordered, you know, I don't know how much you order when you go to H-E-B, but like for me and my family, you know, every time we go, it seems like it's $250 or more. So when I go to H-E-B, it's, it's $250. But imagine if I went to H-E-B and I spent $250 and I was expecting to get like a whole cart full of groceries. But instead of getting a whole cart of groceries, I got like half a cart of groceries and the rest was just like leftovers and it was like spoiled food. You'd be pretty disappointed, wouldn't you? It's like you ordered, you know, two things of grapes and one was spoiled and the other one was good. And you oiled two things of strawberries and one was spoiled and the other was good. And you ordered two loaves of bread and one was spoiled and the other was good. This is what it would be like if somebody sowed weeds into your, into your crop, into your farmland. Everything mattered to them. 
Every single thing that they would yield from their harvest, it was absolutely important. It all mattered. And so tares, which is the weeds in this parable, also called tares, they were likely this particular weed called darnel. Because that weed, and it was a specific type of weed that Jesus was talking about, this darnel weed would not reveal itself and it would appear as wheat until it matured. So think about this. It grows up. It's been sowed into the soil and it grows up and it looks exactly like wheat until the time of harvest. So the farmer thinks he might be yielding a hundred times his crop, right? A hundred times his harvest. He thought every seed that went into the ground was going to be, you know, everything that he was going to get in return. But instead, half of it was weeds and half of it was wheat. And so if you think about it, you know, like nowadays we have like weed killer, right? You know, for those of you that do your yards and stuff like that, you have spray stuff that you can spray in the yard and it'll kill the weed and your grass will stay alive or your plants will stay alive. But back then, this was something that they didn't have access to. So this was a dilemma. This was a huge, huge problem. And so instead of tearing out the wheat with the tares or the darnel, the landowner in this parable would wisely wait until harvest. And after the whole field reached the harvest, the tares would be separated. That's the weeds. They would be separated, and then they would be burned. And then the wheat would be saved in the barn. And so in the explanation of this parable, Jesus is explaining to you and I that he himself is the sower and that he spreads his redeemed seed. That is, he spreads out true believers in the field of the world. He's spreading out people like you and me that carry the gospel out into the world. And so when the kingdom of heaven comes to fruition, it'll be a reality and there will be no weeds among the wheat. How many of you know that there will be no weeds in heaven? Amen? That's going to be like there will be no non-believers in heaven. Amen? People that do not bear the name of Jesus, they have not received Christ as Lord and repented of their sin, will not make it into heaven. Newsflash. Amen? It's not just going to be good people. It's not just going to be people that, you know, maybe, you know, came to church every day in their life. Listen, that's just religion. Religion's not going to save you. Only a relationship with Jesus will save us. Amen? Only a relationship with Jesus is going to allow us to cross in through that threshold to see heaven. Amen? But at the meantime, while you and I are being raised in this world, while we are learning from Christ, there are others that are learning from Satan. While you're maturing in Jesus, there's others that are, that are actually practicing witchcraft. While you are trusting in God, while you are reading the word and you are, you know, planting the good seeds of the word of God in your life, there's people that are allowing the demonic influences to permeate their heart and in their life. And so Jesus' mission was this, is a man sows good seed. And that man is Christ, the son of man. And the good seed that he is sowing in this world right now are the righteous children of God. The Lord is sowing righteousness in this world, and the field is the world. And so I want us to take note of two things. Number one is this. The righteous must sow into the world. Those of you who know Jesus, who have received Christ as Lord, the reason I brought up the Great Commission is because this is still part of it. 
Do you know that the word of God doesn't exist in sections? It's all connected together, amen? It's not just like, oh, part of it is, well, the Great Commission's for some people, and holiness is for other people. No, 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 no. It's for all of us as believers, amen? We are all part of the Great Commission. We are all called to live a life of holiness. We're all called to walk in the righteousness of God. But guess what? The righteous, those that Jesus has left in charge. Can somebody say amen? He's left us in charge. Did you know that? Some of us think that, you know, Jesus is just going to come rescue us out of this sinful world. And that is so true. He will come back and he will rescue us. But in the meantime, we are not supposed to sit here and wait aimlessly. We're not supposed to sit here and twiddle our thumbs. We're not supposed to sit here and do nothing with what we've been given. Because if you remember the parable of the talents, which I'll cover at a later time, but I just want to touch on it for a second. If you remember the parable of the talents, one individual was given one talent, another individual was given two talents, and another individual was given five talents, right? And the individual that had two talents, he made them into four. And the individual that had five, he turned them into ten. But the individual that had one, what did he do? He buried it. And what happened when he buried it? His master came back and he said, you wicked and lazy servant. The reason he called him wicked and lazy is because he was expecting him to produce a harvest. He was expecting something to be produced from his life that was given to him. You see, we're not supposed to just be managers of something and just protect it. But we're supposed to take the word of God and we're supposed to use it and it's supposed to produce fruit. If you've seen a tree and you've ever walked up to a tree that, that gives off like acorns or seeds, you'll notice that that tree every year drops seed. You think, well, why? That tree itself is living. What's it doing? It's doing what it's been made to do, which is to reproduce more trees. Because if that tree gets chopped down, there's a thousand other seeds that are in the ground ready to grow. You and I are supposed to sow the kingdom of God and the righteousness of God back into this world. And so I want us to break down Matthew 13 and 24 and look at this closely tonight. I'm going to get through as much of this as I can tonight. Matthew 13 and 24, I'll read it again. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. He sowed good seed in his field. We see that what the man Christ does is that his work is to sow righteous people into the world. How many of you know that Jesus had no other focus or mission other than to serve his father? That is, Jesus was about the Father's business. Amen? He was about his Father's kingdom. And he was all about showing others that there was a greater life and a greater kingdom to be inherited, better than anything that man could afford or attain for himself in this world. And so Christ expressed love and truth, and he showed to seemingly undeserving people, he revealed to them the kingdom of God every single day, and he revealed to them the heart of the Father. Matthew 20 and verse 28 says this, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Luke 19 and 10, you know this verse. For the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. You see, this world belongs to God. Amen? How many of you know that? 
This world belongs to God. This world is not just, you know, it doesn't just belong to, you know, anybody. It belongs to God. And because it belongs to God, this is his field to sow into. John chapter 1 and verse 3 says this. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. I'll read it again. Through him all things were made, but without him nothing was made that has been made. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16. It says, For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. So you see that Christ does so into the world. Amen. This is his property. This is his lot, so to speak. He owns it and he will care for it. And he, his heart is to actively move those who have moved into his heart. His heart is for us to actively move into the world to sow the kingdom wherever we go. The Lord is vitally interested in the souls of this world. Did you know that? The Lord has no concern if your baseball team's going to win this weekend. Right? The Lord doesn't have much concern for, you know, certain things that we, you know, place focus and effort on. There's a lot of things that we put emphasis on that the Lord's not even interested by. If you want to see the activity of God increase in your life, get into the business of the Lord. But if you go about your own business, you'll, you'll find that serving God seems as if though God is nowhere near you. And the truth is, is you're nowhere near him. We must get back to the heart of God to understand what it is that the Lord has commissioned us to do and what the Lord is longing for us to do. The longing of Christ's heart is, is John 17, verse 25. Jesus is praying here and he says this. He says, righteous father... He says, though the world does not know you, he says, I know you. And they know that you have sent me. He said, and I have made you known to them. And I will continue to make you known in order that the love that you have for me may be in them. And I myself may be in them. Listen to the prayer of Christ here just for a second. He's talking about the world knowing the Father and the world knowing Him. Amen. And he's talking about how his mission was that he would continue to make the Father known in order that, though it, that, that the love that he has for Jesus may be in us. Amen. And that I himself, Jesus speaking, may be in us. And so our sole purpose is not to gain for ourselves, church, a kingdom or inheritance in this world. Amen. Our sole purpose is not to gain for ourselves riches in this world, but it's to be active sowers of righteousness, active sowers of the kingdom of God in the world. I guarantee that if you did this every single day of your life, you would be a rich person. Rich numerically, Pastor Duke. Rich like big bank account, like cars and all the, you know, I don't know about that. I can't promise you that. But I can guarantee that the scripture says that blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
Something that works in the kingdom of heaven is, is it's, it's like an opposite. If you're rich in this world, you're probably poor in heaven. But if you're poor in this world and the things of this world, then you're rich in heaven. If you've sowed into righteousness and you've sowed into the kingdom of God and you've given your life and your heart and your, your being in every part of yourself and you've devoted yourself fully to pleasing Christ in every moment of every day at every level of opportunity that you have, then my friend, you will be absolutely rich in heaven and you will be rewarded for your work. That's the crown that I'm waiting for, amen? Not a crown that man could give me in this world. Not a crown that people could, you know, hoist me up and, and say, oh, you were so good at this. You know what? That is very flattering and very nice. But guess what? It, 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 it pales in comparison to what the Lord would do for you on that day when you receive him as Lord and Savior for all eternity. The Lord wants us to be sowers of his kingdom, planting without prejudice. Think about this. Sowing into the lives of people, sowing into this world without prejudice, without judgment, without reservation, and without hidden motives. I'll say that one more time. Sometimes we ourselves are the determining factor of who gets to hear the gospel. That's a good time for you to say amen. Let me make it more understandable. Sometimes it's our inability and our failure to tell somebody about Jesus that keeps them in darkness. Sometimes it's our lack of humility or our fear or our whatever you want to call it that, that is keeping people bound in chains. You say, Pastor Duke, well, that's not fair. Well, the responsibility has been given to us, so it is fair. Because this is exactly what the Lord will tell each and every one of us. If we are not about his business and we're not about serving him and we're not about doing what he's asked us to do, that we ourselves are withholding the gospel and withholding the very thing that he's given us to be charged over. Wow. Planting without prejudice, sowing without judgment, without reservation, without hidden motives. As a Christian, we do not have the right to determine what field we want to sow into. Think about that. As a believer, we don't have a right to just pick and choose and say, you know what? Well, I think this person deserves Jesus, but maybe not this person. <laughs> or I think this nation deserves Jesus, but maybe not that nation. We don't have that right, church. Amen. We don't have that right. Mark 16 and 15 says this. He says to them, go into all the world. Where? All the world. And preach the gospel to what? All creation. There's some interesting creatures in this world. Amen. <laughs> There's some interesting people in this world. There's some people that... You know, maybe you say, you know what, man, I don't know. They look too far gone. They look like they're, they're insane. They're crazy. They're, they're atheists. They're devil worshiping. You know, they, they look like they're people that are absolutely unreachable. But here's the deal. The obligation remains the same. I don't have the right or the choice to pick and choose who I can determine will receive the gospel. I must share it. Without relent, I must share it and I must allow it to spring forth out of my life. Go into 
all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Think about this. Who plants a seed in secret? Nobody does that. (laughs) Who plants a seed in secret? No one does that unless you're growing something that you're not supposed to. No one would do that unless you're trying to, you know, you know, conjure up something for yourself that you weren't supposed to be doing in the first place. And so you are to intentionally plant a seed to reap a desired harvest. Seeds are planting or planted to bring forth fruit. And so think about this just for a second in your own life. Just make it personal. What harvest do you need in your life today? Some of you might need a harvest in your relationships. You might need a harvest in, in you know, your, your financial life. You might need a harvest in your family. You might need some kind of blessing amongst your children. You might need some kind of healing in your body. You might need salvation for a loved one. Think about the things that it is that you may need personally in your life. Now, my challenge to you would not be just to simply pray about it, but it would be to sow into those needs. What does this look like? This looks that you would actually take practical steps to doing that which you need. Let me give you an illustration. If you need healing, then you would begin to sow healthy seeds. Amen? What does this look like? This looks like not shoving junk food in your mouth full of contaminants and and stuff that's not good for your life and your body. Amen? Amen? Amen. And then wonder why you don't feel good. I say it in love. Because here's the deal. Faith without works is dead. I can pray for your healing all day. And you know what? I've seen the Lord touch people in miraculous ways. And I've seen God heal people of diabetes and and liver cirrhosis and all kinds of, you know, crazy stuff. You know, stuff that maybe was you know, they were born with or something that was, you know, maybe even self-inflicted. But at the end of the day, the grace of God will still pay for that healing because the blood of Jesus has already paid for it. But here's the deal. You can fall back into that place if you keep abusing it. You can fall back into that place of, 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 of you, know, you know, being sick and being not well in your physical being because you don't treat yourself well. Because faith without works is dead. If you need finances, then sow a financial seed. I'll be honest with you. Last year was a challenging season for my family and I. And, and, you know, I'm sure for many of you as well. You know, this economy that we've been living in is not easy to live in. Right? How many of you, how many of you know what I'm talking about? You know, you know, I was thinking about getting a bicycle, man, to start riding my family everywhere. I saw this, like, four-seater bicycle. And I was like, I got one for Layla and Audrey and Mandy and I. And I was like, you know, we'll just truck on to church because gas is too expensive. I don't know about you, but, you know, I find ways to save money. My dad taught me one of the most important lessons that I'd ever learned. He said, son, if you want to make more money, spend less. And I was like, dad, you're a wise man. But here's the deal. There's things that we are struggling with in this life. And Finances could be one for you, but here's the deal. This is the way it works in the kingdom. If you're struggling in your finances, you don't withhold finances. You sow them. Because if you desire to reap the blessing of good finances, then you will sow into the seed of planting good finances. What does this look like? It looks like being a good steward with what God's given you. Not wasting your money. 
Is this helping you tonight? Hopefully this is speaking to you tonight. I want to make this uh, understandable. Because sometimes we waste our money on stuff. Sometimes you think you need 8,000 channels on TV. And you don't. Somebody say amen tonight. Somebody say amen tonight. (laughs) You do not need 8,000 channels. You don't even need eight channels. Because most of it is worthless junk. Amen. Amen. It is a portal of just sewage spewing out of a television that's, you know, just programming your mind for all kinds of nonsense. So cut it off. Why pay their prices and then complain and say, oh God, I don't have money. And you're paying them two, three hundred dollars a month for a cable bill. How foolish does that sound? God would say, take the thing that I've already given you and use it wisely. Cut it off. Don't give, don't give that, that good seed to, to just foolish mammon. Don't give it to just, you know, Babylonian, you know, nastiness and stuff that, that this world is wanting to use it to just spew out stuff. You're, you're fueling it. Think about that. You're partnering with it. So sow a financial seed. Bless somebody with what you have. Bless God with what you have. Honor God's commandments and see if the Lord will not open the floodgates of heaven in your life. If you need salvation for a loved one, then sow seeds of prayer. Amen. Sow seeds of unconditional love. Sow seeds of the Holy Spirit to to till the hardness of that individual's heart. Sow into those things, but don't stare at your soil and expect a miracle. Don't stare at the ground and expect that something's going to pop up. You have to sow seed into it. Amen. Today's obedience, church, is our future fruit. What you are living in and the way that you are obeying God today is what you are going to reap later. Make no mistake about it. I can honestly testify that I'm living in the blessings of God that I sowed years ago. But guess what? If I stop sowing today, years from now, there will be nothing to reap. Amen? Does this make sense to you? All right. The second thing is this. And so we're supposed to sow as sowers of righteousness. We must keep sowing the seeds of God and the Lord that he so desires that we share in this world. Amen? So that unoccupied hearts can be filled with the Lord. Number two is this. The enemy is always trying to destroy the harvest. How many of you know that we have an enemy? Amen. And the enemy is always out to destroy that which God is is producing and that which God is wanting to do. Let's read this verse again. Matthew 13 and 25. Are you guys awake tonight? Matt, some of y'all need to like wake up. All right. I see some of you guys like, (laughs) you're putting me to sleep. Are you awake tonight? All right. I'm going to do like the teachers do and just call you out by name or just make a real loud noise if I think you're sleeping. Matthew 13 to 25. While everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed seeds amongst the wheat and then went away. Satan is an enemy that sows tares or weeds. The enemy is the devil, right? The enemy is the liar, the deceiver, the one who struggles against truth. And the terrors are the children of the enemy or the children of the wicked one. Now, I'll refine this. Let's read Matthew 13 and 38. It says, The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the sons of the kingdom. Okay? 
The weeds are the sons of the what? Evil one. And the enemy who sows them is the devil. And the harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. And so I want us to know what the enemy does here and what the enemy is doing. His work is to sow wicked or lawless people in the world and to do it secretly so that they will be unnoticed. I'll give you an example. We see this a lot in our political system. We don't realize things, and we, 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 we all, you know, complain about, like, the politicians that are, like, way up top. But here's the deal, is, like, if you don't actually address it at the bottom, that's how it rises to the top. What do I mean by that? That means that if you're not serious about it, like, even in your own city that you reside in, if you reside in McAllen, Edinburgh, Far, or wherever, and you're not even, like, trying to vote in, Christian people there and people that are doing good for our community and people that actually have a love and an honor for God. And instead you're just like, oh, like, I don't even care. I'm not even going to push the buttons. I'm not even going to be like mindful. And then you don't even think about it. And then you wonder why like our democracy is the way that it is. And then you wonder why like our politicians are as lopsided as they are. Think church. Think. God's given us wisdom to use, amen? And so the enemy is wanting to sow something in a place that seems insignificant, but it will continue to mature, and it will continue to grow, and it will continue to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And so the enemy's work is this, is he sows the wicked or lawless people into the world. And so the scripture says in Matthew 13 and 25, it says, He came while men slept. He came while men slept. What does this mean? It means that they were unconscious. It means that maybe they were too busy. They were unconcerned. They were unaware. They were too preoccupied. They were too enticed with pleasure or other affairs of this world. And so the enemy operated under the cover of darkness and deception. And while the others were sleeping, the seeds could not be seen until they matured. Think about this. This is the way that the enemy works. It's just like, you know, there, there's a saying that, you know, parents will tell their children, it's like, you know, hey, you need, to, you need to, you know, be at home at a good hour, right? Because after that, you know, the devil comes out at night. And there's a lot of truth to that saying, right? Because while we're at home sleeping, that's when all the bad stuff happens on the street. While you're at home, you know, safe in your home, that's when all the, you know, fights are happening, you know, on the streets and people are getting crazy and all that kind of stuff. But here's the deal. The enemy operates the same way. He operates under the cover of darkness and deception. And so he is working in that place when people fall asleep. They, all of a sudden he's like, okay, now I can slip it a seed. Now I can do something because they're not aware. They're not awake. How many of you know that many who say that they know God will not be in heaven? How many of you have heard that? Many people will say that they know God, but they're not going to be in heaven, for many have been deceived. And Jesus spoke to these people, those who called themselves children of Abraham in John chapter 8. Verse 43, it says this. He says, why is my language not clear to you? He says, because you're unable to hear what I say. He said, but you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. 
He said he was a murderer from the beginning and not holding to the truth. For there is no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And so there's always going to be an opposition, church, when we are trying to sow the seeds of righteousness. But victory is ours in Jesus' name. Amen? Acts 13 and verse 7 says this. Powerful story, but it says, The proconsul, an intelligent man, He sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the sorcerer, for that is what his name means, he opposed them and he tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elymas and said, You are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. He said, you are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. He said, will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? It says, now the hand of the Lord is against you, and you're going to be blind. And for a time, you will be unable to see the light of the sun. It says, immediately mist and darkness came over him, and he groped about, seeking someone to lead him by the hand. And verse 12 says, when the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed, for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. Now, this is a very powerful scripture. I don't know if you understood or, or, or could tell what is actually happening here, but I want us to notice a few things. Obviously, Paul was met with opposition, and Paul was going to, to speak the word of God to this particular proconsul. They wanted to know about the word, but Paul goes, and there is an opposition that was sent from the enemy to literally deceive and try to distract and deter the people from hearing the word of God. So Paul sees this and Paul recognizes this because it says that Paul is filled with the Holy Spirit and he identifies this man. He says, you are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. Now I want us to notice something in the scripture here. I want us to notice this. The scripture points out that both names that were given to Paul, which was Saul and Paul, were both used in this passage And I believe that there's a reason behind that. Because did you know that even though you were once a Saul, an opposer of truth, an enemy of God, that the Lord will still use you like a Paul? Think about that. The Bible says that we were enemies of God. Amen? That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen? And some of you might have not, you know, got that. And so I want us to understand this again. The very area that you may have stood in opposition against God is oftentimes the very area that God will anoint you for. For Paul, it was exactly this. Paul was an individual that thought he was speaking on God's behalf. He thought he was speaking truth, but he was in fact opposing truth. He was opposing everything that Jesus stood for. And so in this moment, Paul's rebuke carried the same power of the Holy Spirit and Christ that that Christ said to him the day that Paul was transformed on the road to Damascus. So it was the very same rebuke that Paul used that Christ actually used to rebuke Saul when he was Paul, when he was Saul. Think about that just for a second. And so when God is present, I want us to get this, the enemy has to flee. That is, no matter, even if the enemy rises up in opposition and the Holy Spirit is with you, there is an authority that God has given you through the name of Jesus and through the name of Jesus alone 
that you are able to rebuke the enemy and you are able to push him out and he must leave. Amen. And so Paul, he was filled with the spirit. He recognized right away those seeds of wickedness and he called out the devil and he showed that God had the power to make the enemy submit and flee. And in doing so, the proconsul that was there to hear the word, they began to believe. Did you know that you carry within you the authority of Jesus? You carry within your heart and in your life the spirit of the resurrected Christ. That means that we actually have some incredible ammunition. (laughs) We have some incredible firepower, if you will. And so even though the enemy would try to oppose us, even though the enemy would try to come in the middle of the night and sow deceit, even though the enemy would try to do things in the life of your family, in the lives of people that you know, maybe people that you've been praying for. How many of you have ever prayed for somebody and you've been working on them and you've been ministering to them and all of a sudden you see the enemy just knock them down and you're like, no. And you know, you go back and you keep praying and you keep praying for them. Listen, we have authority in Jesus' name, amen? We have authority in Jesus' name, but we have to use it. We have to take that authority and use it as the Lord would want us to use it. The church will always face opposition, but the victory is always ours in Christ. Amen? The enemy, though, he will never stop rising against the work of God. But until the days of our Lord's return, our responsibility is to still sow righteousness. Acts 26 and verse 17 says this, He says, I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. He said, and I am sending you to them to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place amongst those who are sanctified by faith in me. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 3 says this, even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Since the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Verse 5 says, For we do not preach ourselves but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Amen? And so we, we have to understand a few things. While you are sowing righteousness into this world, the enemy is sowing wickedness. Amen? You know, it, it's not just like, oh, we just keep sowing righteousness until the whole world, like, belongs to Jesus. The enemy is going to keep doing his work as you're doing yours. And so the scriptures teaches us that the enemy sows in the same field as the Lord. That is the bad are sown amongst the good. And the enemy's method is always counterfeit and it's always imitation. It's always counterfeit and it's imitation. And so that is some within the world and within the church have not been sown by the Lord. Some of you did not even hear that. That is, they may be in the world and they may be in the church and they may even look like that they belong to him, but they do not. I want to bring something up and then I'll probably wrap it up with this. This past weekend was Resurrection Sunday and it was to me probably the most powerful Sunday that the world experienced in 2023, right? 
I'm sure that there was many, many souls and many, many people who came to Christ, many people who surrendered their lives to Jesus, and many people who maybe came to faith in Christ, you know, for the very first time. And in the beauty of how awesome, you know, I know the Lord worked, you know, in our churches and in our ministries and through ministers and, and servants of God, you know, to just touch so many people this weekend. I know that the enemy was also at work. How do I know this? I saw a really popular church of which I won't name, but there was this huge church out of, based out of Oklahoma that did this like massive like play, you know, skit, drama, whatever you want to call it, that looked more demonic and more worldly and more secular and more everything but Jesus. The pastor was even quoted that they wanted to go so far as to be on the very line of sin itself. And I want to make something very loud and very clear. That is not a pastor. A true shepherd, a true man of God would never push the envelope so far as to push his people to get so close to sin so that they could have some kind of relevance to reach people for Jesus. That's not the way it works. Jesus never said, just act as much like the world as you want and I'll receive you. He said, no, repent of your sins, receive the kingdom, die to yourself and follow me. Amen. Amen. He didn't say, act like the world, live like a heathen, don't even repent and, and, and think that somehow you will be acceptable to this holy and righteous God. And something that broke my heart was when I saw this demonic act being portrayed, when I saw these things that were being said, when I saw these people that were acting and all this stuff, it, it pained my heart because I said, wow, you know, there's so few people that, you know, you know, you know, can you know, it, it blew my mind that there was thousands of people sitting in the seats, but yet nobody got up to leave. Church, can I give you fair warning? And can I just give you permission? If it's not of God, get out. If it's not of God, get up and leave. But if it is of God, and it is his holy word, and the Holy Spirit is speaking, and the word is teaching, then listen. He who has ears, let him hear. Amen? But it broke my heart to see so many people sit there and probably leave more confused and more damaged and more like distorted and deceived in their viewpoint of who Jesus is and his holiness and his righteousness and his perfection, then they did leave surrendered and humbled by this beautiful savior that died for their sins. Church, there must be a distinction and a, and a divine separation between us and the world, but not so much that you're so heavenly minded that you're of no earthly good. That means that we're still here for a reason, amen? That we've still got work to do, 
that there's still lives that we need to sow into. But I say this because it's important for us to understand and know, and I'll share a couple of verses with you just quickly. In 2 Corinthians 11, Paul talks about, he compares the apostles who wanted this equality with them. You know, Paul, and there was, there was a group of super apostles, you'll read about that in the New Testament. But there were some apostles that wanted the same treatment as Paul and the super apostles, and they were trying to exalt themselves. They were trying to give themselves a name. They were trying to give themselves status. Who does that sound like? Satan. <laughs> and they were trying to give themselves status. And Paul said in 2 Corinthians 11 and 14, he said that those are, those are them that masquerade as angels of light. And he said that even Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. In Philippians 3 and verse 18, he says, As often as I have told you before and now, I'll tell you again, even with tears. He said, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. And he says, their destiny is their destruction and their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. And their mind is set on earthly things. And this is the most encouraging verse I'll read you tonight. Matthew 7 and 15, watch out for false prophets. <laughs> I'll say it again, watch out for false prophets, church. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. Verse 16, by their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit. But a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. For every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by, your fruit, by their fruit, you will recognize them. And so one of the reasons that many tares that are sown is because so many righteous are sleeping when they should be watching over the field. Jesus gave us the warning. He said, watch out. Be alert, church. Last verse, 1 Peter 5.8, be self-controlled and alert. For your enemy prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. I believe that this past weekend, many, many were received into the kingdom, but many, many were deceived as well. And I say this not as a word of discouragement. Please hear my heart. Please help, please, please understand that it's as, as important to understand who God is and to know the way our opposition works. Because in every battle, there's offense and there's defense. You have to know how to defend yourself, but you also know how to fight. Amen? You have to know how to guard yourself, but you have to know also how to fight back. And when the scripture gives us something as clear as this, when it says, watch out for false prophets, they come to you in sheep's clothing. It, it should be important for us to understand, church, and that we should look at the fruit that is hanging from their tree. We should look what it is that their life is actually revealing. 
Because if they're more interested in their popularity on social media, if they're more interested in the following that they have, if they're more interested in, the, in all the money that gets thrown at them and all the endorsements that they get, and they're more interested in certain things that, that this world is providing for them, and they're less interested in actually treat, teaching the true gospel of Jesus Christ, then my friend, watch out. And I'm going to say this because it needs to be said. Many of you, you know, are connected on social media. And that's, that can be a blessing and a curse at the same time. Because some of you have been feeding off of junk from people that are absolutely false teachers and false prophets. And you're just repeating stuff that they say because it sounds catchy and it sounds good. That's a good time to say amen. And I'm saying this because I have to give you a warning. Never before in the history of our lifetime can the gospel spread in an instant. But never before in the history of our lifetime can gossip and junk and false teaching spread in an instant. You see, in Jesus' day, it had to go from church to church. It had to go passed on person to person. And, it, and it, would, it would eventually move. It would eventually be said. And Paul would have to go to that particular church. And he'd have to correct certain things that were said. Or certain practices that they began to do. Or certain ways that they began to think. And he would go and he would correct them and he would, he would you know, fix everything. And he would get them back in line with what the word was teaching. And he would line them up back with scripture so that they were, you know, in line with the plan of God. But then Paul would have to go to another church and he would leave that city and he'd go away. And the enemy would come back to sow in those tares and the enemy would come back into to sow discord and, 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 and deceit. And nowadays, church, it's like, you know, there's people, you have access to people, you have access to preachers and people that are saying things that, that you know, you get on the internet, you maybe innocently, you just want to look at, you know, some music or something, man. And all of a sudden you hear some guy preaching absolutely false junk, false doctrine, you know, all kinds of prosperity gospels and all kinds of stuff that's not even true to the word of God, but yet you ingest it because it's in your face 24-7. And then we wonder why there's a powerless church in this age that we're living in. And then we wonder why, you know, there's so many people that are in bondage and they're stuck in addiction because guess what? They are be, being quicker to believe lies than they are to believe the truth. They're quicker to just, you know, you know, lend their ear to something that sounds nice and catchy and cool for likes and clicks and all that kind of stuff. And it's all meaningless. It is all meaningless. Listen to me, church. You need to get into the word of God and we need to know this thing like the back of our hand because the Bible says that one day, church, you're going to stand before kings and rulers. You're going to stand before people that are going to oppose you. And guess what? You will only have one thing to defend yourself with and it's going to be the word of God. And if you do not know it, then you are defenseless. I'm sorry to tell you that, but that's the truth. Have you read John 13? Have you read John 14? You see, we need to understand where it is that we are at in this scope of time and where it is that we are at in this moment of time. Jesus is coming soon. 
I'm going to say it again for this side. Jesus is coming soon, church. You need to understand this. Because he could come knocking on our door tonight. I feel that the earth is so pregnant with the birth pangs of the return of Jesus that he will come. And guess what? You're not going to have time to get your lampstand ready if it's not already ready. You're not going to have time to just, oh man, you know, let me, let me just conjure up everything. Let me just start living for Jesus today. No, 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 my friend. The hour is now. Satan looks for every opportunity and he moves about when he's least visible. But we, as the children of God, must be alert. We must ready. We must be prepared in everything. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org give.